What's good, JCC family? You know what we are about, and we are about the Word of God. We are about preaching, and we started a new sermon series called Words for 2022. Uh, this series is crafted for the sole purpose of giving you words to hang your 2022 on. It is my utmost belief that if you will hang your 2022 on the words that I'm dropping to you, then you can absolutely, without a doubt, with certainty, that this is going to be a great year for you. Not because of what I'm saying, but because of what God has to say to you. And if you receive it and accept it by faith, then you know you're going to go to the next level. So last week, our word was remember. And we were considering the fact that we need to remember Jesus in the sense of he needs to be the priority of our life. And to remember Jesus is to live a life that represents him appropriately. It is to live a life that desires to change and to be transformed. It is to live a life that recognizes that Christ is with me, that Christ is not going to leave me alone. And if that resonated with you, can you just say amen right now? Let me say it for you. Amen. Uh, we want to look at our second word for today, and it is found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And if you are a perceptive reader of Scripture, uh, you notice that I'm going through the seven churches. So if you have your texts, uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, which is my preaching translation. It is not perfect, but I love it because it helps us to capture certain things about, about the Scriptures in a, modern, in a modern way. So check this in verse 8 of Revelation 2. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. <laughs> Please believe Jesus knows how to come back to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Ish. And that's so strange. He knows their poverty. He knows their tribulation. He knows their slander. He knows it. But then he says, more is coming your way. We're going to talk about it. Be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. There it is. The crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Today's word is rich. Rich. Let us pray. Father God, we pause for you to have a place in this sermonic moment. Because if you are not at the head of this sermonic snake, Father, its potency will not be there. Some of us, we need that, that connection from you. We need for you to drop that potency 
so that our blood will boil, so that our nervous system will twitch for you. Thank you, O oh God, because you're about to do something amazing. And help me, Lord, to remember. Help me, Lord, to connect. Help me, Lord, to be concise. In Jesus' name, amen. In his book, The Psychology of Money, and I recommend you pick it up. It's a beautiful book. Mugenhauser talks about two men, Richard Reed and Richard Fascone. They so happen to be Richards. Richard Reed grew up in rural Vermont. He never left the state. He bought a, ho a home for $12,000. He settled down. He worked at the local gasoline station and he swept floors and cleaned bathrooms at JCPenney for 17 years. At the age of 50, his wife died and he never remarried. In 2014, Mr. Reed died. When he died, his will stated that $2 million was to go to his kids and $6 million was to go to the local library and other avenues within the town that he lived in. In news cycles, they, they said, wait a minute, how does a janitor turn into a philanthropist? How does a, a poor man or somebody who was poor die rich? Mr. Fascone is a little different because he graduated from Harvard with an MBA. He worked for Merrill Lynch and he retired at the age of 40. His CEO said about Mr. Fascone, this man has business acumen. This man is a savvy. This man has moral integrity and he has a good heart. In the early 2000s, uh, Mr. Fascone borrowed heavily in order to renovate his home. His home had seven garages. His home had two swimming pools. His home had two elevators. Uh, his home had 11 bathrooms. When the 2008 financial crisis hit in the United States, uh, Mr. Fascone lost his home and he filed for bankruptcy and he told the judge that he was filing bankruptcy too. He says, I have no more income and I'm poor. Here are two men, two stories, but the end totally different. One man dies a rich man, the other man ends up being poor. It has occurred to me that wealth has nothing to do with what you see on the outside. It has occurred to me that being rich has nothing to do with how flashy it is. It has occurred to me, and I hope you can track with me, that being rich has nothing to do with what people see you have. It has nothing to do with what people see you driving. It has nothing to do with what people see you eating at. Uh, you can be rich and no one know about it. And that is the story that I want to present to you today. And in the book, Morgan Hauser drops it very nicely because it says something beautiful. And I hope we can take it with some profundity and seriousness. He says it like this, spending money to show people how much money you have is the fastest way to have less money. In other words, being rich has nothing to do with how much you spend. It has more to do with how much you save 
And the more you spend, the more you have less of what you are spending. I want to introduce you to a poor rich church. Uh, This church is a church of Smyrna. Uh, Like the church of Ephesus, Jesus has a message for it. He also sends a letter to it to communicate a special message to the church of Smyrna. And I love about, I love about, one thing I love about Jesus is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The same way he operated with Ephesus by sending them a letter is the same way he's operating with Smyrna by sending them a letter. And the letter is a message that he has for them. And check this, if Jesus sent a letter to Ephesus, if he sent a letter to Smyrna, it means that Jesus also has a letter for you. In other words, Jesus has a message for you. He's going to operate and deal with you the same way he has dealt with people in the past. You don't have to worry about the consistency of God. You don't have to worry about the faithfulness of God. You don't have to worry about God being two-faced. God is the same today, yesterday and tomorrow, and he's going to treat you the same way. Uh, The church of Smyrna is in a difficult situation And Jesus knows about it. He says, I know your tribulation and I know your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the slander of them who call themselves Jews, but are not. They are of the synagogue of Satan. I know this about you. And I'm glad that Jesus knows our situation. He knows what we're going through and he knows what the church of Smyrna is going through right here. He says, I I know. In other words... He says, I've seen your tribulation. You see, tribulation is the kind of outside pressure that comes upon you to make you break. It's what sergeants, drill sergeants, put these wannabe soldiers through at boot camp. They'll make them go through difficult routines and exercises, make them climb over walls and go through mud and put them in in, in water overnight to break their spirits, to break them in such a way that they would quit because these drill sergeants are looking for the cream of the crop to to be soldiers. The Church of Smyrna is in a spiritual boot camp. They are being pushed to the core so that they can give up Jesus. And it's not coming from the people of Smyrna. It is not coming from the Romans. It is coming from natural born Jews because many of the first Christians were natural born Jews that accepted Jesus and started to follow Jesus uh, like Peter, like James, like Luke, like Mark, like Paul. These were natural born Jews that accepted the message of Jesus and started to follow him. But some natural born Jews like the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not like this change because they saw Christianity as a threat to their religious machine. They saw it as a threat to their religious institutions and saw the Jews were the masterminds of persecution among those who had accepted Jesus, who were of Jewish origin. Isn't it funny that it is those who are closest to us that can sometimes put us in the most difficult situations? And the way the the Jews caused tribulation for Christians like those in Smyrna 
is that they separated themselves and, and made a distance from them. Uh, one of the things that they did is put together a document. This document is called Berkat Hamimi. If we're to put it in, in English, it's, it's curses of them. It's quite interesting that Berkat, it means to bless. And that's why when you say Tuhan Mamrikati, you're saying, God bless you. That term is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a Hebrew term that means to bless. In, 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 in the same sense, it can also mean to curse. Uh, just like when the wife of Job says to, to God, I mean to her husband, curse God and die. She didn't use, she used the word Berkat. She says, in other words, bless God and die but in a negative sense. So these Jews put together a document called the curses of them or the blessing of them in a negative sense. And, and, and one of the ways that they would, they, they, they would bless them was to separate themselves from their brothers and sisters. Sometimes some people think that the way to bless you is to make your life difficult and hard. And that is what the church of Smyrna is going through. They also slandered them. And the way they slandered them was by destroying their character. You see, Christians have this, this, this ceremony or ordinance called communion. And that communion, we drink the blood of Jesus and we eat his flesh. And now we don't literally cut up Jesus and drink his blood. We, we are not vampires. We are not cannibals. Uh, we take grape juice and squeeze it Well, we just go by Welch's and, and, and we drink that representing the blood of Jesus. And then we take his, we, we make bread, unleavened bread, and, and then we eat that as representative of his blood. So the, the Christians at Smyrna were doing this and these uh, Jews, natural born Jews would say, hey, look at these cannibalists. Look at these cannibalists. And by doing that, it made life difficult for the Christians at Smyrna because they could no longer now apply for business permits. They no longer could set up institutions like schools in the city of Smyrna. They, they no longer could make a living and they became poor because of pressure. They did not become poor because of laziness. They became poor because of pressure. And sometimes in life, you will put forward your best energies and your best efforts. You will wake up early and go to sleep late. You will apply for that grant. You will apply for that promotion, but it will pass over you, not because you are lazy, but there is somebody stepping in your way because they don't want you to have it because your beliefs, because your values do not align to their values. They see you as a threat. They see you as somebody who is going to destroy their livelihood. And so they will not let you have a livelihood because they think that you are like a leech. They think like you are like lice. They think like you are something that is destructive. You are not worthy and you don't have the, 
they, they, you should not have the opportunities that are rightfully, rightfully yours. And therefore, you have all the qualifications, you have all the degrees, but yet you are not getting what you are getting and you are in a state of poverty. This is what the Church of Smyrna is going through. And it is a difficult situation to be at that place. It can be totally frustrating to know that you got everything in your corner, you have studied, you have you have bled for it, you have been accredited for it, but you are not getting it. And the more you try to get it, the more poor you are. And here is what the Church of Smyrna is going through. They are poor because of pressure. They are poor because of somebody else's influence. They are poor because somebody else doesn't think they deserve it. Uh, but Jesus drops something for the church of Smyrna. He says to them, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you are rich. Hold up now, Jesus. Hold up now. And right here, it started to take off. And right here, I wanted to start to take off for somebody. Uh, because Jesus is saying, your outward circumstances do not change your inward condition. In other words, what is on the outside doesn't affect what is on the inside of you. Jesus says you are the poor rich church. You are the poor rich church. Don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about what you lack, Smyrna. You are rich. And I want somebody to understand it this morning that your outward circumstances do not change your inward condition and I came to tell you that you are rich based upon what Jesus says oh yeah we think that being rich is private jets we think being rich is owning a mercedes-benz we think being rich is having a condominium condominium in Bede. we think being rich is unlimited spending and unlimited travel Oh, being rich is new clothes, new phones, new shoes. Being rich is dining, is dining and eating seven-course meals. Being rich is eating Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I love Haagen-Dazs. I ain't going to lie about that. Amen, somebody. Being rich is eating at Martabak Boss. I tasted Martabak Boss uh, some time ago. We think being rich is flying with Garuda. We say being rich is having Chanel and Prada and Gucci. Uh, but Jesus says being rich is not what you have, but it's more like what has your heart. It's what is inside of you. And Jesus says, he says, you are rich. And so please, miss, 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 uh, please understand me and don't misunderstand I'm not saying that we should not have monetary value. I'm not saying that we should not have assets. I'm not saying that we shouldn't invest. But Jesus is saying, if you don't have those things, it doesn't change your net worth. <laughs> you see, Morgan Housel helped me to understand something as I was reading his book, The Psychology of Money. He says, when you see somebody driving a Ferrari, don't look at that person and simply and, and say and conclude that they are rich. But rather you need to see that person that they are at least $100,000 less than what they had. When people are spending, 
And when people are living the high life, uh, they are showing you that they are giving up their riches. So please, let's move away from riches being connected to primarily what we see. I'm saying we need to appreciate and adapt the mentality of Jesus that riches are more of a state and a condition that is in you more than the state and the condition that is outside of you. And that's why Jesus is saying you are rich though you are poor. Uh, You are rich though you are in tribulation. That is, do not focus on the outside, but focus on the inside. Your net worth is not tied to your networks. Your net worth, according to Jesus, is not tied to your bank account. Your net worth, according to Jesus, is not tied according to where you live. Your net worth, according to Jesus, is not tied with what you are wearing on your shoes. It's not tied to the tie that you got on. It's not tied to the suit jacket that you got on. It's not tied to any of that. It's not tied to the phone that you're texting on. It's not tied to the plane you're flying on. It's not tied to any of that. In fact, your net worth is tied to what in, it's inside of you. And that is why Jesus is saying to you and I, you're rich. Though it seems like you are poor. Perhaps somebody is wondering today, why am I being passed over for a promotion? Why am I still struggling to make ends meet? Why am I still going through a difficult situation? And things are not changing. I have the answer today. You're still rich. Those things do not have any bearing on your condition before God. And that's what Jesus is getting at today. And I I hope somebody can appreciate what I'm trying to drop into your spirit. And perhaps it can help you to stop looking over your shoulder. It can help you to stop comparing yourself. They got that. I don't have it yet. Perhaps it can give you more peace today to appreciate. Uh, Wait a minute. I'm still good. I thought there was something wrong with me. Since I'm not yet settled down, I'm not yet married. I thought there was something wrong with me. I've been passed over a promotion. I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't get the scholarship. I hope you can settle down today because Jesus is saying none of those things have a bearing on your net worth. None of those determine your wealth before me because you are still rich. And I hope somebody can be liberated today and enjoy and be content with where you are in life and be happy with your station in life and understand that God knows what my life is all about. Understand that God sees my condition. Understand that God has his post on my life. He knows my heartbeat. He knows the hairs on my head. He knows what I'm going through. So my situation is not anywhere indicating that God has turned his back on me, that God has left me alone. In in fact, my situation is simply a state that I'm going through right now. It's simply a situation in which I am in right now, but my real condition ain't changed. 
So Jesus says, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you are rich. I also know the slander of those who are Jews, but are not. And right here, it, it, it helped me to, to move my, myself to, to really now appreciate what Jesus appreciates. And what Jesus appreciates is spiritual life, spiritual growth, more than material life and physical life. In the priority list of God, first is a salvation, then everything else. In that order. And right here, Jesus is saying and helping us to see through the church of, of Ephesus that we need to value our spiritual condition more than our physical condition. We need to value the fact that we are praying and giving our 10% and serving in the church and being faithful even when it's difficult. We need to value that more than our bank account, than our promotion, than the latest update. We need to value that more. And that's why Jesus is saying in verse number 10, do not fear what you're about to suffer. The devil is about to throw you into prison for 10 days to test you. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus. I hope you're tracking. And let me drop more attention to you right now. The, the church is already going through tribulation and is going through trial and is going through poverty and they're going through slander. Jesus says in verse number 10, more is coming. Wait a minute, Jesus. Yeah, he says, more is coming. Expect more denials. Expect, expect more, more, more devastation. Expect more, more challenges. Wait a minute. Uh, Lord, <laughs> right, right here is where the text kind of started to speak to me. And I started to kind of get into it. Like, wait a minute. I'm already going through a difficult situation. But yet now, Jesus is saying more is coming my way. I'm going to face more, more difficulties and challenges. Uh, perhaps you want me to tell you 2022 is going to be your best year. You're going to get your best promotion. Your, your family is going to be at the place you want it to be. You're going to travel the world. Uh, your, your, net, your net worth is going to go through the roof. All your investments are going to be beautiful. You're not going to have any losses, any of that. I, I wish I could tell you that, but the text today doesn't allow me to tell you that. The text is, is wants me to tell you that please make room in your life for more struggles and more challenges, and it does not mean that God doesn't love you. The text is here to let me know, to, to tell you that please be willing to appreciate and accept seasons when you are going to find it difficult. And please understand that it may come a day that after you've gone through a difficult disease, you might lose your money. Please understand that in the moment when you feel like you need somebody, people may back out of your life. Jesus is saying, make room for that in 2022. But that does not mean that your status changes. It simply means that Jesus is saying to you and I, there are some things that you should value more than other things. There are some things that are more important to God than some other things. In other words, make sure that your spiritual life is on point. Make sure that you are at a place where God loves you more not because of how much he's given to you, 
but because of how faithful you are. God is interested in stories that, that will, will end like this at the end of the year. You know, I didn't have a job the whole 2022, but I prayed more. I fasted more. I gave more. Those are the stories God is looking for in 2022. Yeah, yeah, we, we like those stories. Oh, God came through for me. You know, God provided a job for me. God looked out for my family. I didn't get sick. I didn't. We, we, we want those stories. And I believe that God wants us to give those stories. But, but this year, let us make room in our spiritual lives, in our spiritual universes, in our relationship with God for challenges. And let's consider that not God turning his back on us. Let's not start asking God, why me, God? But rather we should say, yes, me, God. Lord, thank you that I am going through challenges, but you haven't left me. And that's what I want somebody here to appreciate for 2022. It could very well mean that it is God's will for you to go through a difficult time. Because in this text, it is God's will for the church of Smyrna to go through it. And let me say it like this. Jesus has the power to stop things. Do you know it was Jesus who said, let there be light? And there was light. Jesus was the one who said, let the dry land appear. So what is your heartbreak? What is your financial difficulty? Those are not problems for Jesus. He can stop them just like that. Because he has the power and ability to do that. But yet in his sovereignty, in his supreme cognitive ability, in his strength, he allows us to go through trials and challenges. He allows us to go through difficult times, though he has the power to maneuver and to change those things. Which now helps me to see again that in the eyes of God, there are some things that are more important. And in his mind, he realizes that if my child goes through this, they are going to be better for it than if they did not go through this thing. Therefore, I'm going to get them, I'm going to allow them to go through this thing so that they'll be much better for it. Notice what the text says. Jesus says, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. Now, in, in prison for our brothers and sisters back in the day was not like how it is today. Because today, we don't go to prison unless we are convicted. But in those times, they went to prison before conviction. And when they were convicted, it was either death or banishment. So it was a tough situation. But Jesus says, you're about to go through imprisonment. You're about to go through a tough, tough, tough time. And the text says, so that you may be tested. The word here is beautiful because on one end it can mean temptation. On the other end it can mean a test. And, and there are two things that happen when this word is used in the New Testament. On one end, when a person passes the test, God is glorified. On the other place, when God, a person fails the test, the devil gloats. So the question is, in 2022, is God going to be glorified in your life? 
or is the devil going to gloat in your life? Uh, let me come closer so that you can fully appreciate. You see, a temptation is a temptation because you have the power to bring about favorable circumstances in your life using your power. So let me be more plain. When you're being tempted to eat that martabak, though you know that it is not good for you, and you actually eat, a, eat that martabak, you are using your power of taste and power of choice to bring about a favorable circumstance for you that is a satisfied appetite. But when you have done that, you may possibly make the devil gloat because it may damage your body that God created and made you. But now when you say, though I have the power to eat this martabak, but I'm not going to eat this martabak because I want to take care of my health. Guess what? You are allowing God to be glorified and ensuring that God brings about a favorable circumstance for you in your life by keeping you healthy. So the question comes again in 2022, is the devil going to gloat over your life or is the the is God going to be glorified in your life? And the beautiful thing I, we, I want somebody to understand, Jesus says that the devil is going to cast you into prison for 10 days that you may be tested. It tells me that when we are going through struggle and going through difficulties, it's directed. It has an aim. It has a purpose. It has a means. It is, a going, it is going to accomplish something. So whatever you're going through right now, Whatever you're facing right now, God has directed it because it is going to produce something in your life. And therefore, though it may be sour, though it may be spicy, though it may bring tears to your eyes like you're cutting onions, please understand there is coming a day when you're going to smile over the storm. There's coming a day when you're going to be able to walk with your head held high. There's coming a day when you're going to be able to say, man, it was hard. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but Jesus helped me, but Jesus delivered me because I'm a better Christian. I'm a better child of God. I'm more faithful because of what I went through. And that is what God is after in 2022. He's looking for believers. He's looking for people that are truly Christian by every sense of the term. And God understands that sometimes a way to chip out the unchristian out of us, sometimes a way to chisel out the unchristian out of us, sometimes a way to mine out the Christian out of us is to put us through struggle. It's going to put us through challenge. It has put us through difficulty. And so make room in 2022 for struggles and challenges because your spiritual life is more important to God. And that's where we need to focus on wealth and being rich. Being rich spiritually. And there's something else I need you to see about the struggles that God sometimes allows us to go through. The text says the tribulation will last for 10 days. Scholars debate and argue what 10 days is all about. I, again, I'm a simple preacher, so I will not uh, dabble into scholarly discussion. Uh, but the point is 10 days is a short period of time. 
10 days is a short period of time. So your struggles are not only directed, but they're also tempered. They are timed. Meaning that it ain't going to last forever. In our perspective, it seems like it's going to last forever. But please understand, God, for him, a day is like a thousand years. So his timing and our timing are on two different levels. He sees things on a totally different, different perspective. Just like a child will, will bang things, asking for that milk and wanting to have it. Yet a parent knows that I, the child will have the milk, but I need to first take care of a few things and make sure that I have the time to, to feed the child. Uh, so let me make the child wait just a little bit before I give the child what, what they deserve. That's what you and I need to consider when we're going through situations. We are children in the sight of God. Time is different in the sight of God. So while our experiences may seem like eternity, but for God, they are but a short time. And, 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 and he wants us to understand that whatever you're going through right now, whatever difficulty you face right now is only for a short period of time. It is not going to last forever. You're going to heal from that heartbreak, believe me. You're going to heal from that heart disease, believe me. You're going to heal from that lung disease, please believe me. Your financial difficulties are not going to last, please believe me. Your relational conflicts are not going to be there all the time. Please believe me. They are only there for 10 days. And I'm glad that God limits and he times our struggles. Because in his infinite wisdom, he knows that unless those days were shortened, no flesh could survive. God understands that we are we are limited and we are finite in our strength and in our resources. So he does not allow us to go through trouble and struggle for a long time. He finds a way to create a, a way of escape for us. He finds a way to give us a way out. He finds a way to throw that life jacket along our way. He finds a way to allow that oxygen to come into our face for us to be able to breathe. And so if you're still going through it, it simply means that you can survive it. It simply means that the time is not up yet. It has yet to expire, but you can still trust the Lord because he will never leave you nor forsake you. You can still trust the Lord because when you look at the text, the Bible says these are the words of the first and the last, the one who was dead but came back to life. When Jesus is talking to the church of Smyrna, he's not talking to them from a perspective of I've never been there. He's talking to them from the perspective of I have been there. Amen, somebody. God has been there. God understands struggle. He understands difficulty. He understands challenge. So he never tells us something that he's never gone through. And Jesus understands what we're going through. He understands our pain. He knows how difficult it is because he himself wanted to back out of the cross when he is there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if this cup could only pass away from me, I'll be happy. But nevertheless, not your will be done but my own be done. Nevertheless, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. That's what I want your prayer to be right now. Not my will, Lord, 
but your will be done. It's not my will for me to suffer heart disease, Lord. It's not, it's not, it's not my will, Lord, for me to have this pain on my foot. It's not my will, Lord, for, for this financial difficulty. It's not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. You see, when you invest in God, you, you, you don't invest for nothing. And when God puts you through difficulty, it's not for nothing. And that's what Jesus goes on to, to, to talk about in, in verse number 10 at the very end. He says, if you go through these difficulties, I will give you the crown of life. There it is. See, when you're investing in God, you receive the crown of life. Because that is the, the, the tangible evidence of your inward condition. And we have understood today that our inner condition is that we are rich. And so Jesus gives us a crown of life to demonstrate that when we chose him, we made a good bet. When we chose him, we made a good calculation. You see, the word crown is not diadema, which uh, royalty wear. The word crown is Stephanos, where we get the names Stevie or Stephanie. That means to get a reward after victory. And the crown of life is our reward after victory. And that's the thing that Jesus gives to you and I after we have suffered, after the struggle, is we get the crown of life. You see, I love the crown of life because the crown of life speaks to riches and ending. You see, this is the beauty of, of God because he knows that our riches can be broken into. Moth can damage them. Our investments can be lost. Uh, there is depressions and financial crises that can take away our material prosperity. We can lose our homes. But the riches that Jesus gives to us do not have an end. They are everlasting. They are forever. And this is a beautiful thing about the crown of life because it really shows the essence of what it means to be rich. It's the essence of being rich to enjoy other riches. Because when you have life, when you are able to live, then you can enjoy traveling. Then you can enjoy writing. Then you can enjoy serving the Lord. There are so many people because of Omicron, because of the COVID pandemic, are not able to live. They wish they could be breathing today. They are dreaming for the crown of life. They are dreaming to have life that does not last. There are movies that portray people who try to extend their life by taking the life of somebody else of somebody else because life is that precious. Unfortunately, life on earth ends. Unfortunately, life on, on earth does not last forever. And Jesus knows that. And therefore he says, please do not tie your life to the things of earth. Do not tie your life to the things that you have. 
tie your life in me, invest in me, and I will make sure that I will give you the crown of life. I will make sure that you will never ever lose. And I hope somebody can understand today, when you accept Jesus in your life, when he is the center of it all, you have made an investment for life. You are set for life. In that particular moment, you become a millionaire. You become a billionaire. You become a trillionaire. You just become a nair. You become somebody who is wealthy. You become somebody who is rich because your life will never end and you get to enjoy everything else in life. And therefore, please track with me in 2022 that we should invest in Jesus. We should invest in God because that is an investment that will never, ever let us down. That is an investment that will not bring disappointment. That is an investment that will not bring discouragement. That is an investment that we can be vested in for the rest of our lives and we can be proud that we accepted Jesus. We can be proud that one day he's going to give us the crown of life and he's going to take care of us. You see, the crown of life is, is beautiful because it keeps us away from extinction. There was an extinction that happened recently, the splendid poison frog went extinct in 2022. This, this little frog went extinct and it went extinct because of human activity. Its habitat was destroyed. God also has an extinction plan and he's pushing this extinction plan for the wicked and it's called the second death. Notice in verse 11, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Why? Because they have the crown of life. When you have the crown of life, you are vaccinated from the second death. The second death is separation of a person and God. And when you're separated from God, you have no more life. You can no longer exist. Just maybe you don't know this, but let me say it to you. We live and we move and have our being because of God. Separated from God, we are dead. Any person who doesn't believe in God is dead, though they are alive. So the second death is something that God is going to push through at some time in the future to exterminate any person who does not believe in Jesus and has accepted him as Lord and Savior of their life. But you know, I discovered something about animals that become extinct. That there are some animals that are put on the endangered species list. And these animals are put in zoos or na nature preserves. And you have people that protect these animals with dear life. Uh, you through the life of Jesus. We have been put in a spiritual zoo. And we've been put in a spiritual preserve that since we've accepted Jesus we are protected from extinction that is coming I want somebody to understand that God wants to protect you God wants you to live God wants you to have life everlasting because you are rich like that you don't have to worry about death because you're rich like that and there are two things that rich people do. They are 
fearless and they are faithful. Jesus says, be, do not fear what you're about to suffer. You, you know, fear is one of the things that is keeping rich people poor. Some of us are poor because of, of fear. Uh, we fear losing our money. We fear the virus. Uh, we fear death. And now, now please, don't get it twisted. I fear snakes. I fear jumping over my balcony. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not telling anybody, please go jump in a, in a river full of sharks or, I mean, a, an ocean full of sharks or a river full of crocodiles. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about the kind of fear that keeps us from fully experiencing God for who he truly is. You see, many of us are so afraid, worshiping at the altar of fear, when God has said, do not fear, I am with you. I will take care of you. And one of the things that has been rife, one of the things that has come to the fore because of the American virus is, or the pandemic is fear. People are afraid, afraid, afraid. And I believe a healthy fear is good, but I believe at some point we got to trust the Lord. We got to believe that he's going to protect us. We got to believe that he's going to take care of us after we have done all of our due diligence to be safe. That is because we can jug out the rock. We can wash our hands. We can do all the vaccination programs. We can get our booster shots, but we can still not be protected from the virus. And we know all those stories. So at some point, we got to learn to elevate beyond the fear and to trust the Lord that is going to take care of the situation. And we can walk without fear and be in confidence over what God can do. And that's what Jesus is calling us to because we are rich. Because we are wealthy, we got no reason to fear. Nothing is going to take away our riches in God. Death ain't going to take it away. Disease ain't going to take it away. None of that is going to take it away. Your status doesn't change. If you're going through outside circumstances, therefore, why are you afraid right now? Why are you not, why are you not sleeping right now? Why are you not getting out and exercising right now? Because you're afraid? He says, no, cut that out. Fear and your state of being rich should not be in the same category. And let me drop it again. I'm talking about the, the, the unhealthy kind of fear that is keeping God from operating fully in our lives. Uh, but healthy fear is good. Mm -hmm. But today I'm saying... Through the word of Jesus, be fearless. And in this text, Jesus uses an imperative when he says, do not fear. And when we talk about imperative, we're talking about something that you have to do. It's a command. But just to stress how important this is, he says, do not fear. He, he, he's agreeing with Paul who says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. But watch this now but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So rich people are fearless people. They operate from a place of power. They operate from a place of love. They operate from a place of a sound mind. Rich people also are faithful. 
Notice what Jesus says, be faithful unto death. Faithfulness is consistency. Faithfulness is being at it when no one doesn't want to do it. Faithfulness is getting up every day and praying. When you see people at home, they don't want to pray. Faithfulness is attending our 10 days of prayer, night after night. I hope you're going to attend night after night. Faithfulness is reading the Bible every day. He who is faithful in the little is faithful in much. And Jesus is saying, you have to be faithful. You are, you are going to be put in a situation that is going to make you give up your faith. Uh, you're going to be thrown into prison. Pressures are going to come on you. But can you be faithful? And can you be faithful in 2022 when you don't feel like it? Can you be faithful when you have lost a job? Can you be faithful when you are feeling pain in your heart? Can you be faithful when you don't have the energy? Can you be faithful when you're tired? Can you be faithful when you are being pressed and pushed? Can you be faithful when it's hard? That's what Jesus is saying. Be faithful in the pressure. Be faithful in the struggle. Be faithful in the hard moment. Because rich people, that's what they do. They compound their investment. They add to it day after day because they know they're chasing after something. The moment is not all there is. They're going after a specific goal. They're going after something and therefore they will not allow themselves to lose the moment because they understand the value of the moment and how it can change up their, their situation and destroy their lives. So they choose to be faithful. People ask how they can be rich like Warren Buffett. What many people don't understand about Warren Buffett is that he started investing at the age of 10. And what we see today is what has been compounded over many, many years. And now he's one of the most wealthiest men in the world because he invested for a long, long time. And that's what I'm calling somebody to today, to invest in God day after day, night after night, year after year, month after month, second after second, invest in God, be faithful to Him. And what you're going to see at the very end is that it's going to compound. In fact, it's very compounded. God has said, I will give you the crown of life. And I don't think that you and I can afford to lose this. I don't know about you, but I don't want to die poor. I want to die rich. And the way to do it is to be fearless and to be faithful. That's the way to do it. And that's what I'm calling us to today. We are rich, yes. But can we be fearless because we're rich? And can we be faithful because we are rich? You see, the dynamic of what wealth does, how now you live your life differently. Somebody's fearless today. Cut it out. Go to God. Lord, I'm fearless. I want to stop being fearless. When the fear comes again, pray about it again. But tell yourself, I'm going to cut out being fearless because I'm rich. So I'm going to act rich. I'm going to act rich. Someone needs to be faithful today. Be faithful. Be consistent. Be reliable. Let God rely on you. Because you are, you're rich.
and somebody is going through a difficult situation right now, it's going to get harder. And you've been trying to back away. But today, please make room for struggles and challenges in your life. God wants to increase your net worth. He wants to make you rich. He doesn't want to harm you. He doesn't want to hurt you. I don't want to die poor. And I know I'm not poor. I'm rich. And I hope you know you're rich. Can you live like it now? Can you, can you live like it today? Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you that we are rich. And we want to live rich today. You have spoken to us in many different ways. Your word has dropped. We, we, we know it. We understand it. Please, Lord, help us now. We can't do this without you. Grant us your grace. For this we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. There's something I love about the Word of God, and that is it always does something in our heart when we listen to it. And I bet that God has spoken to you in some, in some specific fashion or manner. Right now, I want to give an opportunity to respond. The number's on the screen. Reach out to us. We are on YouTube, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. We are right there. You can catch up and connect with us. And we'll be more than glad and happy to help you because we are here to help you. Uh, so that you can live the life that you need to live. And so do not waste another second to get in touch and to connect. And I believe that God is going to bless you. And once again, I want to implore you, if you want to connect and help this ministry to do what it is doing and to continue reaching other places and reaching other hearts, please donate at the account on the screen. May God bless you. And I'm going to see you very soon. Take care.